This is Commission President Hamdi Mohammed convening the regular meeting of January 23rd, 2024. The time is now 12.01. We're meeting in person today at the SEA Conference Center and virtually via Microsoft Teams. Clerk Hart, please call the roll of all commissioners in attendance. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Fellerman. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Hasegawa is not present for this meeting and is excused. Commissioner Mohammed, Present. Thank you. We do have a quorum established. Wonderful. A few housekeeping items before we begin. For everyone in the meeting room, please turn your cell phones to silent. For anyone participating on Microsoft Teams, please mute your speakers when not actively speaking or presenting. Please keep your cameras off unless you are a member of the commission or the executive director participating virtually, or you are a member of the staff in presentation and are actively addressing the commission. Members of the public addressing the commission during public comment, you may turn on, uh, they may turn on their cameras when their name is called to speak and will turn them back off again at the conclusion of their remarks. For anyone at the dais here today, please turn off the speakers on any computers and silence your devices. Please also remember to address your request to be recognized to speak through the chair and to wait to speak until you have been recognized. You'll turn your microphones on and off as needed. All of the items noted here will ensure a smooth meeting today. All the votes today will be taken by a roll call method, so it is clear for anyone participating virtually how votes are casted. Commissioners will say aye or nay when their names is called. We are meeting here today on the ancestral lands and waters of the Coast Salish people, with whom we share a commitment to steward these natural resources for future generations. This meeting is being digitally recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the port's website and may be rebroadcast by King County Television. Now, please stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God, indivisible, one liberty and justice for all. Thank you all. The first item today is approval of the agenda. As a reminder, if a commissioner wishes to comment for or against an item on the consent agenda, it is not necessary to pull the item from the consent agenda. Rather, a commissioner may offer supporting or opposing comments later in the meeting once we get to the consent agenda. Please wait until the motion is approved. The consent agenda is on the floor for these comments, if any. However, it is appropriate at this time if a commissioner wants to ask questions of staff or wishes to have a dialogue on a consent agenda item to request the item be pulled for a separate discussions. Are there any items to be pulled from the consent agenda or any motions to rearrange the meeting? Commissioners, the now, commissioners, the question is now on approval of the agenda. Is there a motion to approve the agenda as, pres as present? So moved. Second. Wonderful. 
The motion has been made and seconded. Are there any objections to the approval of the agenda as presented? Hearing none, the agenda is approved as presented. Okay. We are now, okay, we have no special orders scheduled for today. Next on our agenda is the executive director's report. Director Metric, you have the floor. President Mohammed, good afternoon, commissioners. It seems like the beginning of every new year brings with it some uh, weather challenges for us here at the port. This year is no different. So I'd like to begin by acknowledging, acknowledging the heroic efforts by our colleagues and partners who responded to a barrage of freezing weather-related emergencies over the past several days across the port's numerous facilities. I'd like to thank them all. Every part of the airport was impacted during this freezing weather incident, including every concourse, the airport office building, the parking garage, and tenant locations in and out of the airport. On the maritime side, crews responded to 50 incidents, burst pipes and valves at 14 different locations throughout our facilities. Thank you to all of our professionals who monitored facilities, assessed damage under challenging conditions, made repairs, worked on emergency declarations, reviewed agreements, supported customers, and put our facilities back into service. Staff and contractors continue working on emergency repairs even today, including ongoing work at our Air Force office, Airport Office Building where many staff have been displaced. I note that these efforts are on top of everyone's normally busy workload, continuing challenges in our aviation sector and increasing construction here at the airport. Speaking of construction, and the progress that it brings, employees and visitors to SEA will notice new construction barricades and changes this week in, in uh, the Sea con Concourse. The Sea Concourse expansion project adds a new four-story building with additional room for operations, tenants, and customer service amenities, including 13 new restaurant and retail spaces coming. This month, the new construction barricade went up near gates C2 and C3, we published a blog in our newsroom to help passengers find favorite locations that may have moved around the airport and to find the closest restroom or water refill station. The Sea Concourse expansion is one of the projects we're working on to be ready for the world when it comes for the FIFA World Cup in 2026. In other project news, I also want to share that our shore power project for Pier 66 hit a major milestone this month. Despite the freezing temperatures, a crew successfully laid the shore power marine cable from Pier 66 under the floor of Elliott Bay and over to Terminal 46. The work will now focus on making electrical connections at Pier 66 in preparation for the transformer to arrive. We are still on track to commission the shore power connection with Norwegian Cruise Lines this summer. This project will make us one of the few cruise home ports in the world to offer shore power at all of its berths, an accomplishment that we're very proud of. Something else that we're proud of are our ongoing efforts supporting anti-human trafficking. January 11th was Human Trafficking Awareness Day, and I'm proud to have joined Commission President Hamdi Mohammed and Commissioner Sam Cho at the press conference announcing new maritime and aviation signatories to our pledge against human trafficking. This was the first year that Cruise Lines Calling on the Port signed our pledge. We were pleased to have Robert Morgenstern, Carnival Corporation Senior Vice President, represent the cruise industry, and Kirsten Foote, the new Executive Director and Chief, Chief Executive Officer for the business, Businesses Ending Slavery and Trafficking, BEST, represent advocates and survivors.
I'm also pleased was pleased to participate in an impressive and well-attended employee recognition and awareness event organized by our anti-human trafficking working group with a special shout out to Wendy Ryder and Thomas Whitaker who emceed that great event. I'm deeply impressed by the commitment of our staff and proud to see Port employees showcase their effective organizational efforts and national, national leadership to end human trafficking. Thank you to everyone on the working group, especially those who recruited new signatories to our pledge and those that put together the employee recognition and awareness event. And also looking ahead, next month I'd like to note that February upcoming is Black History Month, an important time, and I look forward to sharing more details about the many events and programming we're planning to have throughout the month as they are finalized in the, in the uh, week, weeks, the time that's left here in January. Uh, moving to today's uh, commission meeting, I'd like to highlight a few items. Under new business today, there is a commission order related to our diversity and contracting goals for 2024. While it's not typical, typical to comment on commission orders, I will say that I'm supportive of this order, and this is a priority of mine to make significant progress on this goals, uh, these goals by the end of the year. Other items on the agenda today include our annual briefing on tourism and our and our local government, local government, regional community engagement priorities. Commissioners, this includes my remarks. Thank you. Thank you, Executive Director Metric, for that information. And I also want to echo uh, your sentiment in thanking our port staff and those who work on our facilities during the challenging weather uh, challenges that we've seen. So I'll move us on to agenda item number six, committee reports. I understand that we do not have any committee reports for today's meeting, so we'll move on to our next order of business. Item number seven, we are now at the public comment section of the agenda. The port welcomes public comment from the public as an important part of the commission's uh, public process. Comments are received and considered by the commission in its deliberation. Before we take public comment, let's review our rules for in-person and virtual public comments. Clerk Hart, please play the recording of the rules. The Port of Seattle Commission welcomes you to our meeting today. As noted, public comment is an important part of the public process, and the Port of Seattle Commission thanks you for joining us. The Commission accepts in-person, virtual, and written public comment regarding matters related to the conduct of court business. Before we proceed, here are the Commission's public comment rules of procedure for your information. Each commenter will have two minutes to speak and should stay within the allotted time. A timer will appear on the screen and a buzzer will sound at the end of the two-minute period for each speaker. The Commission reserves the right to receive comments specifically related to the conduct of court business. If comments are not related to the conduct of court business, the presiding officer will stop the speaker and ask that comments be kept to matters related to the conduct of court business. This rule applies to both introductory and concluding remarks. All remarks should be addressed to the commission as a body and not to individual commissioners. Disruptions of commission public meetings are prohibited. Disruptions include, but are not limited to the following. Refusal of a speaker to limit remarks to topics related to the conduct of court business. Threats and abusive or harassing behavior and language. Obscene language and gestures. 
refusal of a speaker to comply with the allotted time set for the individual speaker's public comment, leaving the podium or testimony table to physically approach commissioners or staff during one's public comment, provided speakers may offer written material to the commission clerk, and any behavior that disrupts, disturbs, or otherwise impedes the meeting. Any disruption will result in a speaker's microphone being immediately shut off by the presiding officer and a warning or loss of speaking privileges or removal from the meeting room may occur as provided in the commission's bylaws. Written materials provided to the clerk will be included in today's meeting record. The clerk has a list of those prepared to speak. We are taking comments from anyone who has signed up to speak virtually, as well as from anyone who has joined us today here in the meeting room. When your name is called, if you are joining virtually, please unmute yourself, then please repeat your name for the record and state your topic related to the conduct of court business. You may turn on your camera at this time. The two minute timer will then begin. If you're on the Teams meeting and at the same time streaming the meeting on the website, please mute the website stream to avoid feedback. When you have concluded your remarks, you may again turn off your camera and mute your speaker. If you are speaking from the meeting room, please come to the testimony table, repeat your name for the record, and state your topic related to the conduct of court business. Our public comment period will now commence. Thank you again for joining us today. Clerk Hart, please call our first speaker. Thank you, Madam Commission President. Give me just one moment to get our timer up here. There we go. I have two sign-up sheets today, one virtual and one for in the room. We'll start with our virtual um, sign-ups and I will rotate between them, beginning with Joe Kunzler. Joe, please go ahead and state your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of court business, please. Thank you, Clerk. Uh, Joe Kunzler here. Uh, I'm speaking on IO 10A. Um, I'm speaking only for me, and I'm presuming that you can hear me. Um, you know, I was speaking on IO 10A and asked could it be passed without amendment because when we have a magna monster committed to hurling hate, I will put down my press pass and pick up the necessary weapons and defend my nation, my state, and the world's best international air airport, period. Because it's going to be CN that's going to lead in SAF. It's going to be CN that leads the world for a moral reckoning and how flight attendants are treated. And it's going to be CN that leads in an use of public comment. I have already asked Bellevue and Redmond to adopt the public comment rules of 10A. Soon after today's victory, I will ask Sound Transit and King County Council and others to do so as well. This will be the end. We're going to end this guy Zimmerman going after you. Not because, just because we've prayed for peace, but because inside of each American is a yearning to be free from hate. Hate oppresses and divides. Hate silences and destroys democracies. Hate is also on the side of climate denial and hiding campaign finances. So I want to leave the Port Commission with this recent Zelensky quotation. Increasingly, the world hears and realizes that more wars may be ahead, but we have the strength to stop it. We have to strafe you to defend normal life. The world has to strafe, end quote. Honestly, passing item 10A is exhibiting that strafe. 
to defend our commons as much as gifting South Korean artillery shells and American Patriot service to air missiles to Ukraine to defend normal life. And I, I really hope that you will pass these rules because this troubled individual who comes before you and in their bodies, I find extremely concerning. And so I ask you please pass to item 10A, and I want to thank all of you for your public service. And I also want to, if I may, I, I, I want to say that the Seattle International Airport is the world's best international airport, and I fly from there when I can. Thank you for your public service. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, moving to our in-house speakers, beginning with David Blanford. David, please come to the testimony table. Restate your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business, please. President Mohammed, Commissioners, Director Metric, I'm David Blanford. I'm CEO of State of Washington Tourism. Here today to speak on the importance of the Port of Seattle's tourism development program and the support it provides statewide to the tourism industry. Thank you for your continued tourism leadership throughout the state, the port's direct investment in tourism development, statewide industry grants, and programs that bolster our state tourism program have sped industry recovery and are helping position Washington for future success. We have more work to do. According to research just released from the U.S. Travel Association, Washington's tourism expenditures and tax revenues are down 7%, respectively, year over year through November. These compare with U.S. Uh, averages of 3% and 2.5%, or in the case of neighboring Oregon, they're up 11%. State of Washington Tourism's promotional budget is still one-tenth of Oregon's and similar to many other Western states. We'll work in 2024 to incrementally increase program budget and greatly appreciate the ongoing support of the Port of Seattle. Meantime, the Port's international marketing agreement with State of Washington Tourism is seminal. Staff at both the Port and SWT are working together seamlessly carefully aligning priorities and priority markets, operating in-market reps, sales missions, and other destination programming. A special thanks to Nick Leonti, Tourism Director, uh, for his leadership, and to newly hired industry veteran Chantel Lusebrink. Finally, I want to acknowledge uh, Commissioner Fellman and the port's direction toward responsible travel and tourism education and attracting visitors who share that vision. We look forward to continuing that, that program with you. Thank you. Thank you, David. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you. Our next speaker is John Worthington joining us virtually. John, please go ahead and restate your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business, please. John, can you hear us? The five-mile radius issue, the lawsuit. John, I'm going to go ahead and stop you. Can you please restate your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business, please? Thank you. John Worthington, Squim. I'm, I'm making comments on the five-mile radius lawsuit. Go ahead, please. Against the port and the airlines. Can you hear me? Am I ready to go? We can hear you, John. Please go ahead. 
public was given adequate notice of the issues surrounding SeaTac Airport in the 70s. And I believe officially in the 80s, the EPA gave a warning. That's why Senator Julia Patterson requested the Department of Health look at the issue. The city of Tequila, Burien, SeaTac, and Des Moines were given ample public notice of a problem. Yet they continued to move people in there to take advantage of their densities pursuits under the Growth Management Act. Then, later, the University of Washington came out with a study after the fact. I believe it's the Washington State Department of Health that is the true party of interest, along with the cities of Tequila and Burien and SeaTac and Des Moines, rather than the port and the airlines. They had plenty of opportunity to zone out residential development, and that was before the third runway. They knew, but they just had to take advantage of their density pursuits, I believe because Sound Transit was coming in and they, they wanted to develop it, and they put the public at peril. I don't believe it was the port that did so. I don't know where you stand in your lawsuit, but it was pretty clear by the record, the Seattle Times, Highline Times, the Seattle PI, the media warned the public. And Julia Patterson decided to do the study, and they decided to fill in. So that's my comment, and I hope you can uh, act in time to make arguments that those are the true parties of interest, not the port and the airlines. Thank you. Thank you, John. Clerk Hart, please call the next speaker. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jesse Welton from The Room. Jesse, please restate your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business, please. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> My name is Jesse Welton. I'm here as an individual, only representing myself right now. And your topic, Jesse? Oh, my topic is uh, uh, collective bargaining agreements. <clears throat> Sorry. Thank you. Uh, first, I wanted to congratulate uh, Ms. Muhammad on your new position as president. And uh, Mr. Metric, you mentioned there's a lot of large projects coming up. It's uh, definitely an exciting time to be here at the port. There's made a lot of changes. So what brings me here today is the topic of uh, collective bargaining agreements. Per the port's public website, you have 24 different collective bargaining agreements uh, that the port employees work under. Of those 24 CBAs, seven are currently expired. That is 30% of all your CBAs. It also represents a large number of port employees currently working under expired contracts. The majority of those contracts are eight months expired and not much project progress in those negotiations. In the next 11 months, you'll see seven more contracts expiring. That will bring the total of 14 of 24 contracts expired. That's roughly 60% of all contracts expired. That represents a vast number of port employees. In the last four years, all the contracts were eventually ratified. The average contract was expired for nine and a half months at the time of ratification. Some of those were as long as 24 months. I really hope that your current labor relations team <clears throat> makes a change for the better and starts getting these contracts negotiated in a timely manner and also bringing 
a fair and equitable offer to the table to all your uh, collective bargaining teams. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Um, Clerk Hart, please call our next speaker. Yes, our next speaker is Councilmember J.C. Harris. JC, if you can restate your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of port business, please. Good afternoon. My name is JC Harris, and I represent SeaTac Noise.info. The topic is SB 5955, HB 2103, the Port Package Update Bill. The Port's opposition to SB 5955 is shameful. Since 2017, you've set aside millions of our property taxes for various community grant programs that never get fully spent. This is a chance to spend those dollars fruitfully. The Port Package Program has not made a single new building eligible since 1996. Anytime you talk about projects that you're doing, you're simply playing catch up from 30 years ago. Shame. For five years, you've had a chance to do something voluntarily, simply emulating what SFO has already been doing. You should support SB 5955 and join SFO simply to show Congress that you can actually do this right. That is the path to the larger federal program. By not supporting this bill, you're confirming what the public has long suspected. It was never about need. It's always been in your financial interest to delay any sound insulation programs, new or updates. And by delaying so long, by forcing people to replace these systems out of their own pockets, you then take all those homes permanently off the table. This is something our communities deserve to get right the first time in exchange for the permanent benefit of having a thousand planes fly over their homes every day. And given that there was no second chance, it's just bad form to not take responsibility for doing so many so poorly the first time, especially when you're generating a billion dollars a year now. You could take the entire tax levy off the table and still be in the black forever. You should direct your staff to immediately support SB 5955 and get it across the line. Thank you. Clerk Hart, please call our next speaker. Thank you. Our next speaker and our last speaker who signed up today from the room is Greg Warner. Greg, please restate your name for the record and your topic related to the conduct of Port Business, please. Hi, my name is Craig Warner, and I'm uh, here to talk about the parking and logistics or traffic flow. Um, I've been here a resident for six years. I'm an Uber driver. I've been here no less than a thousand times, and I've seen the traffic flow in its worst and its best. And I believe I have figured out a way to totally correct it permanently and parking and have it paid for. Um, I don't know if the design engineers have looked at my ideas or not. I would just like the opportunity to sit down with them, discuss it, and see if they have any ideas that they have or have not explored. I don't see anything in the um, records, and I've been here for six years, and I've seen zero progress with it. 
but I do believe that it can be corrected in minimum, maybe 18 months and be permanent for even if the airport doubles in volume. So that's my uh, thing, and I would just like to see if I could maybe talk to somebody in the design department. Thank you. Noted. Thank you for your comments. That concludes our signups for today. Is there anyone else present on the team's call or present in the room today who didn't sign up who wishes to address the commission? If so, please state and spell your name and state the topic related to the conduct of the port you wish to speak about for the record. At this time, I'll ask the clerk to please give a synopsis of any written comments received. Thank you, Madam Commission President. We've received one written comment for this meeting. This has been previously distributed to all commissioners and will become a part of this meeting's record. This comes from Jordan Van Vost, who submitted written comments regarding requesting the port to reduce the 2024 cruise sailings and passenger levels to at or below 2019 levels and to reduce the number every year until the industry no longer pollutes oceans and the air or emits climate changing greenhouse gas emissions. And that concludes our written comments received today. Thank you, Clerk Hart. Hearing no further public testimonies, we'll move on to the consent agenda. But before we do, I know that there are a number of electricians who are in the room today and I just want to acknowledge you guys for being here and say thank you to the work that you do on our facilities every day. Items on the consent agenda are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion. Items removed from the consent agenda will be considered separately immediately after adoption of the remaining consent items. At this time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda covering items 8A, 8B, and 8C. So moved. The motion has been made and seconded. Commissioner Fellman, do you, would you like to rearrange to a, items? I was hoping to have a quick comment on the federal agenda. It was like one word. Please proceed. I, I just saw, um, and I'm sorry I didn't catch this before, but on, on the formally, oh, actually, my mistake. I, I saw. Um, you could withdraw. I, 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 yeah, I, your I think I'm. I'm sorry. I was looking at 23. It just said promote tourism, and I just didn't know whether we had updated that to sustainable tourism. Mm. Just promoting tourism was something that I was concerned that we were not specifying. But I was just looking at the fact sheet, and um, that's all I saw. It's been corrected. Thank you. Correct. Okay. So commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called for approval of the consent agenda. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this item. The motion passes. Moving on in the agenda, we have two new business items today. Clerk Hart, please read the item, the first item, into the record. Executive Director Metric will then introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 10A, adoption of resolution number 3817, 
a resolution amending resolution number 3778 and prior corresponding enacting and amending resolutions through incorporation pertaining to the commission's bylaws and rules of procedure. Commissioners, you received a presentation on this at our last meeting and are now considering it for action. Periodic review and updates to our bylaws and rules of procedure is an important part of being a high-performing public agency. The recommendations included in this resolution cover, cover ethical behavior, officer responsibilities, clarifying duties, remote meetings, rules of order, and many more. Our presenter for this is uh, Michelle Hart, our Commission Clerk. Thank you, Mr. Executive Director. Madam Commission President, members of the Commission, um, as noted, resolution number 3817 was introduced at the January 9th, 2024 meeting. At that time, staff presented an overview of the bylaws and rules of procedure policy directive amendments proposed. We received commission feedback and incorporated that feedback into additional amendments, and we will over the, overview those for you here today. There are four amendments. Aubrey, if you could go ahead and pull those up. And those are printed in a package and before you. Um, I will, again, overview them here today, and then we will get into the main motion and amendment process where we can get into discussion if there is any for these particular amendments, and we will take them separately one at a time. So our first amendment that you see up here on the screen um, actually amends Article 3, Section 5, Officers' Duties of the President, Subsection E. And this... Um, amends the first sentence to strike the phrase on behalf of and to insert in its place the phrase in consultation with, simply to make that language more, more specific and in alignment with the provision in the bylaws immediately before it. Go ahead and move to the next amendment. Amendment number two is a technical amendment and this amends article Six, Section 10C, um, the last sentence of the provision to add the phrase unless otherwise revised and to strike the phrase unless extended. The reason for this amendment, I'm requesting it as a technical amendment to be moved. The original amendment construction um, was not put together correctly. Um, our presiding officer, our chairperson, now has the ability to lengthen or shorten um, at the time for a public comment as needed to preserve the efficiency of the meeting. Amendment number three. Thank you, Aubrey. Amendment number three amends Article 3, Section 5D, Duties of the President, Oversight of the Commission Office. And what this amendment does is it reorganizes the oversight of the Office of the Commission under Article 2 Commissioners. And additionally, recognizes the standard operating procedures for both the office um, and uh, for the review of the Commission Chief of Staff. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Thank you. And amendment number four amends Article 4, Section 8E, Executive Sessions, to provide for periodic review of executive sessions through outside counsel for compliance with Open Public Meetings Act requirements. And those are the four amendments that we have before you today, and that concludes my presentation. Thank you, Executive Director Metric, for introducing the item, and thank you, Clerk Hart, for your presentation. So let's first get the motion on the floor, and then we can discuss the amendments. Is there a motion and a second to adopt this resolution? So moved. Second. 
The motion was made and seconded. Commissioner Fellowman, I think you have the First Amendment. Please move your motion to amend the policy directive. So I move to amend for amendment number one uh, for the bylaws in this as was described. Um, if you want me to reiterate that, just uh, replacing the, on behalf of um, the review of both the uh, uh, chief counsel, general counsel, as well as the external uh, relations senior director to be in consultation with, uh, for, with the president rather than on behalf of the commission. Wonderful. Is there a second for the motion? Second. Great. The motion has been made and seconded. Is there a discussion on the primary amendment at this time? Yeah, I have a question. Commissioner Cho. So I want to really understand why we're making this change because I think my concern is that it it changes things such that the two the two the, the two officers that would be dual reports would be reporting to five commissioners, which isn't an efficient way of the doing of managing things. So I just want to understand what this is trying to do exactly. Commissioner Fellman, do you want to? Sure. I mean, this is the president is the one, the point person, to do the review. It's just like we have with the other positions. They will do it in consultation with the other commissioners, rather than what I would think on on behalf of does not imply a but this is not about performance review this is about oversight the um, oversight is 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 a uh, type of review it, you have well reviewing in terms of the way in which things are conducted um, overseeing that if there is a question of something that occurred then it would be seem to me to be not just the discretion of an individual equally elected official to be making that call and that's what I've been doing throughout all the amendments is that we are all elected countywide and that if there is an issue associated with anybody that we have any oversight of and there are only two dual reports and then we have the executive director and our chief of staff in this way it would be consistent across the way so if I can just if I can yeah. make a comment on that um, I think the procedure matters here in the sense that how that review happens or what the consultation looks like will matter and I think he states what the intent is and so so long as that is documented somewhere I think we would be fine there so if the so I, I would be okay with the language being more specific and saying that a performance review of the dual reports isn't done is done in consultation with commissioners but I think oversight you know performance reviews are retroactive things they're not active things right I think everyone would agree with that oversight is is an ongoing thing and to me this reads in a way where you're are going from a dual report reporting to one person to a dual report potentially reporting to all five commissioners and I think that introduces inefficiency in the way we do things and so I would suggest that we clarify if your intent is to 
is to provide performance review uh, in consultation with the commission. I think that's what should, it should say. Right now, this introduces a tremendous amount of ambiguity. Clerk Hart, is there a line that you could recommend or Commissioner Cho, is there some, some sort of description that um, language we could add here that would be sufficient to describe the intent here? Yeah, I, w I think something along the lines of performance reviews of dual reports will be done in consultation with the commission and in concert with the executive director. Okay, I, yep. I would consider that a friendly amendment, but I was just wondering, is there any place in the, in the bylaws that deal with a performance review of dual reports currently? There's not. This well, is the provision. I, okay, so I was thinking that this was just a consistency. I would, I would agree that to be consistent, it would be on performance review and not oversight. So that was um, certainly was my intent. Yeah, no, I hear you. Clerk Hart, have you captured that? Is that something we could do, or should we take a pause to make sure that that is clear language? Um, I do have the language, um, performance review for du dual reports in consultation with the commission and in concert of. That could be a secondary amendment, Madam Commission President. Um, I'm also looking at the title of this particular provision, which is oversight of staff reporting to both the commission and the executive director. Um, it's, it's not specific to performance reviews, as was just noted. So um, I don't know if we're changing intent there by specifically adding a secondary amendment, making it explicit to performance reviews. Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, oversight is a, a more of a broad term than performance review, and I think performance review does fit under oversight. So I'm not arguing on whether or not it fits. I do think that putting a clause in about performance review specifically would be appropriate because it goes a little more granular. So I think we can, uh, and please, the lawyers can correct me if I'm long, wrong, but under the oversight umbrella, we can put this clause in about performance reviews. Or could you just include it in or, the title? Or is there an F? Can we put an F that says performance reviews of dual report staff shall be conducted in consultation with commission? In, in, in consult in there is an F, um, and I, I do think that we can make a secondary amendment to this particular provision to capture your intent with your language without creating another provision. Okay. Um, yeah. Do we want to take a quick at ease and discuss this with the attorneys to make sure that this is okay? Well, the yeah, one question could, I had was... One second. Could we, could we do that by... Um, could we not vote on this item and move on to the next amendments while the attorneys consider that language? We can do that. Um, I would like to consult with the attorneys and with the executive director and commission chief of staff as well if it is possible to take a quick at ease. Let's do that. Thank you. Can I just have one thing to be considered in changing the title, oversight and review of staff, if that was allows it to be more in specifically encompassing? That will be considered Commissioner Fellman. Yeah. We'll take the at ease. Thank you. I appreciate that. No problem. Sorry. No, it was totally not the intent.
Madam Commission President, thank you for that at ease. I believe we are ready to continue the conversation. Are there any further discussions on this item? Commissioner Fellman. Yes, I, I would be happy to uh, withdraw this, seeing that item uh, 10 or, or encompasses this, uh, although I'm hoping that perhaps in uh, President Mohammed's um, amendment that standardization of these processes would include uh, the formalization of this type of review, which honestly, to my in my eight-year tenure, I don't recall being involved with yet. So, thank you for that. So I will withdraw that. Chief of Staff, do you want to speak to that? Yes, uh, Commissioner Fellman, we'll make sure that you guys have that uh, in the next week or so, so you see the process very clearly how that rolls out, and we'll include that in our operating manual that we're uh, in the midst of developing right now. Thank you. Appreciate that. Madam Commissioner President, can you please ask if there's any objection to withdrawal of the amendment? We'll do. Are there any objections from my colleagues to withdraw this item? Hearing none, we will withdraw the item. Commissioner Fellman, we have a technical amendment requested by the Commission Clerk. Will you also move that item uh, amendment, please? Hopefully it will be a little easier this time. <laughs> yes, this technical amendment put forward by the Clerk is to uh, give the flexibility to the President to extend or shorten the public comment. So to insert the words, unless otherwise revised, with regards to uh, speakers being limited to two minutes. Do I have a motion? Wonderful. Is there a second for the motion? Second. The motion has been made and seconded. Is there a discussion on this item? Hearing no further discussion for this motion, Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote on this primary amendment. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. For the primary amendment, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for that amendment. The amendment passes. I also have two amendments that I would like to propose at this time. I'll move each amendment separately. I'll read the first motion into the record. I move to amend resolution number 3818, Article 3, Section 5D, duties of the President oversight of the Office of the Commission to repeal paragraph B in its entirety, removing oversight of the Commission Office from the duties of the President and reenacting it under Article 2, Commissioner's paragraph 11, oversight of the Office of the Commission and the Commission Chief of Staff to read as follows. Oversight of the Commission of oversight of the Office of the Commission and the Chief of Staff, the Commission as a body coordinated by the Commission President shall provide oversight and review of the performance of the Commission Chief of Staff according to the Commission Office Standards Operating Procedures. The Commission Chief of Staff shall be responsible for the organization and management of the Commission Office according to the Commission Office Standard Operational Procedures. The Commission Chief of Staff shall consult with the Commission regarding performance evaluation, hiring, and firing of staff of the Commission Office. Is there a second for this motion? So moved. So the motion has been made and seconded. Is there a discussion on this primary amendment? Yeah. Commissioner Cho. I'm just joking. I support this. <laughs> Pulling my leg. 
Um, hearing no further discussions on this motion, Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote on the primary amendment. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your names are called. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. And Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this amendment. The amendment passes. I'll go ahead and move my second amendment and read it. I move to amend resolution number 3818, Article 4, Section 8A, Executive Sessions, to insert a sentence at the end of the paragraph to read as follows. Periodic reviews of executive session sections shall occur by outside counsel for Open Public Meetings Act compliance. The motion has been made. Is there a second? Second. The motion has been made and seconded. Is there a discussion for this primary amendment? Commissioner Cho. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> He's just trying <laughs> to trip you up now. He's trying me today, right? <laughs> Hearing no further discussions for this motion, Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote on the primary amendment. Commissioner, say aye or nay when your names are called. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Cho. You're doing great, by the way. Aye. <laughs> Thank you. Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes, zero nays for this amendment. The primary amendment passes. We are now back at the main motion as amended. Is there any further discussions? Hearing no further discussions, Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote on the main motion as amended. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your names are called. Thank you. Beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Fellman. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you, four ayes, zero nays for this item. The main motion passes. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Commission Strategic Advisor Tyler Emski will introduce the item. Thank you, give us one moment here. Am I moving quicker than you guys? No, this is great. This is uh, agenda <laughs> item 10B, order number 2024-03, an order of the Port of Seattle Commission to update the port's diversity and contracting goals for 2024. Great. Is this thing on? Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Hello, commissioners, and thank you for the opportunity to present this order for your consideration today. Uh, this order is part of the arc of the Port of Seattle's long journey towards increasing women and minority business enterprise, WIMBY, participation in port contracts. This work is crucial for the port's equity efforts. So white men, uh, like myself, are less than 30% of King County's population, but non-WIMBY firms received 94.7% of the value of port contracts in 2016. Thanks to the determined efforts of commissioners and staff, both past and present, the port has made progress towards reducing this disparity. The port's 2018 uh, Diversity and Contracting Policy Directive has directly led to the increase of port WIMBY spending as a percentage of all port contracts from 5.3% in 2016 to 12.6% in 2022. Furthermore, the number of WIMBY firms uh, that contracted with the port rose from 118 firms in 2016 to 329 firms in 2022. In order to further increase WIMBY participation, the port is conducting a disparity study that seeks to identify barriers to the port's contracting with WIMBY firms. 
the 2018 policy directive included five-year goals ending in 2023. In 2024, uh, the port will be crafting plans and implementing changes to increase WIMBY access based on the port's internal WIMBY data analysis, including the findings of this disparity study. This work will result in a new five-year plan starting in 2025. So while this work is in progress, a one-year extension of the WIMBY goals included in the 2018 policy directive is warranted for the interim year of 2024 to set expectations and guide staff work. So uh, per commissioner feedback during the November 28th, 2023 Equity and Workforce Development Committee, staff have drafted an order setting the 2024 diversity and contracting goals as follows, which is also the text of the order uh, before you. So here it is. The Port Commission hereby directs the Executive Director to set the following diversity and contracting WIMBY spending goals for the 2024 budget year. Number one, a port-wide WIMBY goal of 15% of the total port spend. Number two, a WIMBY firm's utilized goal of 400 firms in 2024. So additionally, the port uh, shall also be required to set annual division and or departmental goals uh, on non-construction WIMBY spending. Uh, so with that, and with the note that Diversity and Contracting Director Mian Rice and I are available for Commissioner questions on this order, I will turn it back over to Commission President Mohammed. Thank you, Tyler, for the, that presentation and information that you shared. Are there any questions to the staff at this moment from commissioners? I know this item has come before us bef before. Okay, so hearing no further questions for this item, is there a motion and a second to adopt order number 2024-03? So moved. Second. The motion has been made and seconded. Clerk Hart, please call the roll for the vote. Commissioners, please say aye or nay when your name is called. For the vote on this order, beginning with Commissioner Calkins. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Chow. I think we're making Mia's job too easy here, but aye. <laughs> Want to ask a question? No. No. I'm kidding. Thank you. Commissioner Fellowman. Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Mohammed. Aye. Thank you. Four ayes and zero nays for this item. Thank you. The motion passes, and me and thank you for your work. Thank you all. Tyler. Appreciate it. Thanks, Commissioners. Thank you. All right. Sorry, time. <laughs> 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 moving us along, um, moving to item 11, presentation and staff reports. Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record. Executive Director Metric will then introduce the item. Thank you. This is agenda item 11A, the Tourism Development, Development Briefing. Commissioners, tourism and travel creates economic opportunities for tenants at our port and for businesses and communities around all around our state. Visitors generate significant economic benefits to households, businesses, and government alike, and represent a critical driver of Washington's future. The port has been a longtime leader in the space and is, is finding new ways to make progress, such as our responsible tourism work. This briefing will cover our successes in 2023 and work planned for the year ahead. At the next commission meeting, we'll, we will request your authorization for the 2024 iteration of the Tourism Marketing Support Program. Presenters this afternoon are Dave McFadden, Managing Director, Economic Development Division, and Nick Leonti, Director of Tourism Development. So I guess Dave, we'll begin okay. with you. 
Good afternoon, Commissioners. Good afternoon, Executive Director Metric. Uh, we are excited to be with you today to give you an overview on our tourism development programs. Let's advance the slide. Uh, what we want to cover today is just start with an overview on some of the tourism stats and trends. Nick will um, cover most of that. Then we'll proceed to talk about some of our international tourism marketing efforts, uh, some of the media we've generated, a slice of what we're doing on responsible travel, and finally we'll talk about our tourism grant programs. Let's go to the next slide. I think as you know, you know, travel is bounced. Um, uh, you know, travelers through our facilities have really rebounded almost to uh, past the point where we were before the pandemic. So the, we, we have some momentum, things are turning in the right direction, but uh, there's still work to do. And with that, it's my real pleasure to turn it over to Nick Leonti, our tourism development director. I think he's done a really good job uh, over the last eight, 18 months since he's joined the port of really rebuilding and, and deepening the partnerships we have and really um, implementing some of these programs with precision. So Nick, show's yours. Great. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, good afternoon, everyone. It's always a pleasure to come here and talk tourism with you. Um, and yeah, that we can, um, here's just, we'll start off with another, another slide here of some stats from the U.S. Travel Association that does show we are, um, as Washington State, um, slightly behind the country's average of uh, um, overseas arrivals through SEA Airport, and obviously that's a, um, a focus for us. Um, and travel spending, as Dave Blanford also mentioned earlier, is a bit down year over year, down 7%, but um, right at about pre-pandemic levels. Um, so those, uh, and we really want to um, you know, monitor those trends, and we, we, we are in touch with the U.S. Travel Association all the time, seeing how those trends are progressing and how they relate to Washington State and what we can do there. Uh, if we could advance to the next slide, please. Um, we'll mention that, um, as, as Dave mentioned, a big focus for us is international tourism marketing, and we have a new team. Uh, um, we mentioned I've been here for 18 months. Um, I'd like to mention in the in the seats behind me today, we have Chantelle Loosebrink, who's our new tourism development manager. She joined... Uh, in September of this year, so very much a new team, um, kind of having a new look at the industry and where where we're going and what the port's role is there. Um, but international tourism remains a top priority for us, um, and we um, you know we look for those high ROI travelers who stay longer, spend more. They visit all regions of the state, right? They'll visit urban areas, rural areas, um, and share that bond of responsible travel uh, passion that Washington's residents have. Um, and we have um, international in-market agencies in a number of markets. Um, and we, we have those under contract through our relationship with State of Washington Tourism. Um, right now we are fully activated in the UK and Ireland, Germany and Australia. Um, we also have um, con contracts based on project basis in Japan, South Korea, France and Benelux and the Nordic region. So we have been able to expand our footprint a bit and get back into the international realm this past year. Um, again, really focused on those relationships and the partnership with State of Washington Tourism and Visit Seattle, who are our close partners there. Um, next slide, please. Um, some of our key priorities heading into this year, you know, we're really working on establishing SEA as the premier U.S. gateway. Um, you know, we, we talk with folks from all over, all over the world um, and promote 
the, what a premier gateway that is and what a great airport it is, especially going through the renovations. Um, and you know, we share some stats with, with people. We lo I love to share the fact that the, the flight from London to Seattle is the same length as the flight from London to Miami. So um, you know, a great way to get to the West Coast here. So that's a big part of what we talk about. Um, obviously, we want to increase the economic impact of those cruise passengers who are coming through town. Um, we want them to add those days on before and after cruise if they're coming here for that to um, you know, see Seattle, see the surrounding area, and spend, um, spend some time and some money in, in, the, in the region. Uh, again, when we look at those international visitors, they can stay so much longer. A cruise could be part of a two or three week itinerary where the cruise is just a portion of that and they can spend a lot of extra time in Washington and the West Coast. Um, we, we also obviously have the responsible outdoor uh, recreation. It's very popular here in Washington, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on in, in the slideshow here when we address responsible travel. Um, and obviously our main goal is always to um, increase the economic impact of the port's facilities um, through the leisure travel and keep our destination top of mind. Um, we can go to the, the next slide, please. Um, and uh, one thing on that previous slide that was mentioned uh, in kind of the quote box there, and I think it's really important that um, the port has that global reach. State of Washington Tourism also has a global reach. Visit Seattle does as well. But other than those organizations, you know, the smaller destinations and attractions throughout Washington don't necessarily have that reach. So we take that responsibility on to do what our local industry can't necessarily do for itself, to bring those stories to, to the world and help bring visitors um, to all the areas of Washington where, you know, in a responsible way. Um, some of the highlights of this past year, we obviously, we want to get face to face with a lot of our, our customers and that means going to trade shows, doing sales missions, um, hosting familiarization tours for media and travel trade, you know, meaning tour operators, travel agents, um, folks like that. Um, so this past year we had over 225 face to face one on one appointments. And in this industry, there's face-to-face there's, uh, -face meetings really go a long way to stand apart from the crowd. Uh, I think we've all, um, you know, even pre-pandemic, face-to-face meetings weren't uh, as common as they were. And now post-pandemic, it's so easy to uh, do a Zoom call or send an email. Um, we really see value in getting face-to-face -face at the trade shows and on sales missions and hosting events. Um, we have a few examples of um, what we did this year. Again, we got involved in um, in hosting groups, hopes to hosting travel writers. We, um, we were involved in those markets, UK. Um, um, Mike Mo from State of Washington Tourism and I, we did sales calls to Japanese and South Korean receptive operators that are based out of LA. Um, so we're expanding that international footprint and reaching out to other markets and seeing where we can get uh, you know, the best ROI for us. Um, next slide, please. When we look at the media we generated, I mentioned we hosted travel writers, we also host content creators, influencers, um, anyone that we think can help move the needle for our, uh, to drive visitation to our region. See this photo here is from um, a couple called The Local Adventurer. Uh, they spent uh, five days in the area. They visited, I think, every one of these trolls, which was great. And, um, and they played a lot of pickleball, uh, but those types of things, um, <laughs> you know. They were, they were a fun group, but we also host, uh, you can see on this list here, we had some um, fam trips that were hosted by the cruise lines. Um, some of these are travel writers, but we hosted um, over 100 people to um, spend time in Washington State and Seattle over the past year. 
and we see those results in um, in the media that um, is produced. You can see this, we had, as this says, we had over 2.2 million in earned media value. And uh, if you're not familiar with that term, it's you know kind of the uh, the space that that content takes up in a publication, what that value would be if it were an ad. Um, that's where we get that 2.2 million. But um, obviously, since it's not an ad, since it's real content created by an actual person, not a not a marketing person, that uh, you know that carries a lot of weight and is even worth more than that to our region. Um, next slide, please. That brings me to responsible travel. Um, this past year, we produced our responsible travel handbook, which is um, a 96-page guide specific to Washington State's tourism industry. Um, which um, helps promote port priorities and um, really focuses on destination stewardship, inclusivity in travel. Um, you know, we want to be a welcoming destination, and this will help all of our DMOs throughout the state um, you know, learn the, the, uh, the methods by which they can help welcome people from all over and you know, what their marketing should look like and what other types of programs they can be involved with. Um, so we worked with the Travel Foundation, which is an international leader in destination stewardship and sustainable travel. They helped us produce this. They led community engagement sessions um, with dozens of our tourism stakeholders from across the state. Um, and it really creates a foundation for the next steps for all of Washington's uh, tourism industry to work better for all Washingtonians. Um, should also mention, um, as you see here, um, Commissioner Fellman's work with the U.S. Travel and Tourism Advisory Board, or TTAB as it's known, um, has really helped position Washington uh, for future success in sustainable tourism. Um, and by that sustainable tourism, most simply that is you know, maximizing tourism's positive impacts while minimi minimizing the negative impacts, which is always top of mind for us. Um, and through conversations, his conversations with industry leaders throughout the region, and, uh, and in, through his association with the TTAB, the commissioner set the stage for the port to, um, to hold in-depth stakeholder um, meetings regarding um, a destination assessment through the Global Sustainable Tourism Council, or GSTC, which is an um, internationally recognized um, organization that uh, you know, produces basic guidelines for destinations that wish to become more sustainable. It'd be a way for us to see where, where things stand and where we can go as far as being a sustainable destination. Um, so we look forward to having those, those conversations as we move forward. Um, and we can go to the next slide. That brings us to the tourism grant programs, um, which have been, I think we're entering, entering the 10th year, I believe. Um, so we have two, two different programs through the tourism department, the um, SEA Spotlight Advertising Program, which provides free ad space in the airport to, to our tourism partners. Um, so that's uh, rolling along, everything's smoothly. We change out the ads quarterly. Um, the ad space is free. They still have to pay to produce the ads, but the space here at the airport is free, and that's very valuable space. Um, the other larger program we have is the Tourism Marketing Support Program, which um, over the past nine years has provided a Two to one matching grants up to ten thousand dollars per um, recipient, um, and those products are all based on you know the main focus is to drive out-of-state visitation. Um, so we awarded twenty-two of those awards this year for a total of uh, a little over one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars of port funds, which were awarded. But this is also a program that we're looking to refine moving forward, um, and I want to I'll talk a little, little bit about that first. We can uh, go to the next slide, please just to give you an idea of what we do with 
these um, programs. Um, you see, we've always put emphasis more and more as the, since the program's inception, more focus on DEI, ecotourism, and um, have increasing visitation at shoulder seasons you know, when we're not uh, overcrowded here in the area. Um, and as we put more emphasis on that over the years, you know, we used to be able to say like, oh, 15 out of the 20 recipients were focused on, on ecotourism or DEI. We really want to evaluate every single application for that moving forward uh, so we can say that all of our grant recipients address the DEI, ecotourism, and the shoulder seasons. And, and being able to support cultural organizations, small organizations is important to us as well. Um, so we could, and I'll, I'll follow up a little bit on this in a few slides when we get to um, the refinements that I'll be proposing. Uh, we can go to the next slide though, take a look at some more examples here. Um, organizations can use our tourism grants for digital campaigns, they can produce rack cards like this one here, they can uh, promote events, anything that would drive out of state visitation visitors through SEA, you know, that's the main focus. Uh, next slide, please. Here's more, they can host um, content creators, travel writers, they can do those kind of travel trade activities that we participate in as an organization, they can use the funds to do that as well. Um, here's one where San Juan Islands hosted Traveling Well, Traveling well Black um, last year. Uh, we can go to the next slide, I think this is my final page of examples. This shows some of the um, programs that uh, from 2023, we helped uh, fund the Refuge Outdoor Festival. Um, the one in the middle there, there's Explore Olympia. Um, they created an LGBTQ website called uh, You Belong Here. Um, so programs like that we're supporting um, and we wanna be able to do more of that. So if we could go to the next slide now, brings us to the refinement. So over the past year, I uh, had meetings with uh, grant recipients, with prospective grant recipients, with past grant recipients, to kind of just get a feel of how, well, how the program was working. And in general, you know, uh, people love the program, very grateful for it. But there were a number of issues that, um, you know, that did come up. Uh, obviously, $10,000 doesn't go as far as it used to. Right? Inflation has impacted the um, value of the grants. Um, uh, I mentioned wanting to work on those shoulder seasons. Uh, we are we right now we award the grants in april early may and we need the final reports in november so we're kind of it's a pretty small window especially when you want to focus on the shoulder seasons and spread out that uh, curve of tourism throughout the year um and again i mentioned that we wanted to put more emphasis on ports priorities of dei and sustainable uh, tourism priorities um, and we wanted to expand the application window as well and make sure that smaller applications or smaller organizations, um, that it was fair, you know, so they could um, get their applications in. Because we, we did tend to see larger organizations that maybe had a, an official marketing person, they were more likely to apply rather than some of the smaller organizations that kind of one person shows, we could tell that there was a struggle to get applications in. So we took this and um, if we go to the next slide, um, we're hoping to expand the grant program. Um, rather than 200K awarded over one year, we'd like to expand it to a 600K over two years. Um, and that would give more time for those projects to be executed. We would also create two different tiers of grants. So the main grant um, up to 200K, it would be up to $20,000 per recipient, so twice the amount. Um, and that's open to any organization. You could go for that top tier amount. 
Um, the second tier would max out at 10K, but, but, but provides a little more um, flexible match requirements and um, kind of the emphasis on funding for new or non-traditional grant requests. That's kind of the, those smaller organizations that you know, may uh, they need a little more help getting into the, the world of tourism. That's where we can help them. But again, any organization, whatever the size, can apply for the larger grant too. They just wouldn't have the extra flexibility built into the to the grants. Um, we also are going to increase our outreach. Right now, we have a growing list of over 300 potential applicants on our mailing list. Um, we really want to. Um, we'll, we'll we'll have more informational sessions, Q and A sessions, basically holding office hours to um, give them all the information they need to properly get their applications in. Um, we also have a strength of the evaluation criteria. We'll really simplify it. Um, when our judges look, they'll, they'll just be looking at the DEI, shoulder seasons, ecotourism, and then kind of the overall impact of each program on a 100-point scale. Um, and that's a little cleaner than it has been in the past, real simplified, really maximizing those priorities because we want all these grant applications to uh, relate to our, our priorities. Um, and it really, we mentioned the Responsible Travel Handbook. We want applicants to use that as a foundation for the projects that they propose to us. You know, they can, uh, that book is available on our website uh, for download, We've kind of broken up so that it's easier to uh, digest. Um, but lots of great ideas in there, and uh, we hope that they use that as they put together their applications. Um, and as it mentions here, we'll be looking to um, get approval for this new refined program at the February 13th commission meeting. And I believe the next slide should just say thank you. There we go. <laughs> so any any questions? Happy to field them. Thank you, Nick, for your presentation and Director McFadden mm -hmm. for being here. Um, I'll open it up for comments and questions from commissioners. Commissioner Calkins. Oh, I should have deferred to Commissioner Fellman, our resident expert, but I just had a, on slide four, um, I think um, when we pulled it over from the larger report, um, I, I, I was trying to figure out the scale on the top graph. So does that begin post-pandemic? Can you, can this you is, explain, um, what, tell, tell us what's happening in this graph? This is um, comparing the um, overseas arrivals to 2019. Okay. And this is where the, the top line, the blue line there, is um, the, all of the U.S. The lighter blue line, a little bit under that, is Washington. And the, and the time range is maybe 2020 frame. to today? <laughs> you see me today, straining to see that. Um, it's um, oh. just post-2019. I'm not sure if I can... Commissioner Feldman was saying it's the same yeah. as the bottom yeah. chart. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. All right. So w what we're seeing here is that we had a bigger drop from our benchmark of 2019 uh, down to about 50% compared to 68% for the U.S. Uh, and we've recovered to 74, which is slightly better recovery, but we're still below. Right. And so for overseas arrivals, you know, we... Um, some markets have recovered. We, we have 35 flights a day to London um, and other European destinations, but um, the Asian countries are still lagging okay. behind. We don't so that, that's sort of what explains it here is that we have... That's, and, the, big, that's the main reason right now is um, we just don't have the um, 
all the flight as many flights as we had before, mainly to those Asian primarily markets. from Asian markets. So when we think about how we're investing in there's a bit of a chicken or egg there. We want to create some demand from Asia, but we also need our carrier partners to to also begin reinitiate those flights. They're not going to reinitiate those flights unless there's a market for it. So right, a lot of it is the you know the um, um, like we look at Japan for instance. It's um, as those build that market builds back. There's a really negative exchange rate for them right now. Mm -hmm. If you want to go on a vacation to Japan, though, now's a great a good time. time. But oh. um, for those inbound travelers from Japan. Um, there are some of those battles. And then in China, we have, um, it's just been really slow to build back in the leisure market. We're getting, seeing some business travel, some um, you know, like educational travel, but the leisure travel market is slow to return. Okay, uh, thank you, that's really helpful. Point of clarification, did you say 35 direct flights to London? Ooh, I did say that. That's you should weekly. take it back, huh? That's weekly. Um, <laughs> that, was, weekly? That, was, that might be a little <laughs> out of date right now, but um, it was uh, that was the number we were saying up until a few months ago. Uh, okay, maybe on a weekly basis. Commissioner Fellman. Thank you, Nick, and thank you for all the work that you've been doing in revitalizing thank our you. tourism program. And look forward to meeting our our new, uh, I understand, veteran in the field, but uh, new to the port. Yeah. I, and um, I really appreciate the port's embracing of the sustainable outdoor and all these other uh, things that are really the you know the market is going towards and I, and I appreciate the uh, the, the um, uh, handbook in that it does identify uh, that you know market interests and it's a large volume and I'm still going through it but I, I it seems to have a lot of good stuff in it and people that have reviewed it have enjoyed uh, the materials that they found in it I, I think it's also really good that you're looking at the funding for the shoulder season, because obviously one of the great mitigation members measures for over-tourism is sharing the love across the year. And so um, I, I think that's a great goal for your, uh, and multi-year funding is always, that's always with all our cumbersomeness in our grant program. I think that's true across the, across the way. One, one of the, just two other points. One is that, um, you know, in, in the T tab, and other exposures that I've recently had is that um, this demand for uh, some sort of certification acknowledgement that we are we care um, about our sustainability uh, is held highly by the international traveler and that they have these things overseas and that there's a great deal of skepticism that the United States takes it seriously and that um, so the demand is there but they you know even if the words are out there they don't believe us and that was something that was really surprising to me, especially from like the German traveler and things like that. So I think it's great that we're working together to try to see how much we can uh, right. put our money where our mouth is or walk the talk, whatever you want to say. And then uh, just finally, the um, well, I've always been inclined to enjoy the outside world and bring people to see nature. People tell me years later that I changed their life because I showed them a killer whale. These are memories that last forever. Right, and uh, it's a great reinforcer. In fact, it keeps it young for me. Um, but the pandemic really did um, show what it would look like if we didn't take these measures now. It was really a, a little glimpse into the future. And I just saw that, um, that the, uh, I'm trying to see what this reference is, but I, I think it's the US travel uh, tourism program, but it said in terms of maybe elucidating um, the question that Commissioner Caucus raised that 
An estimated 7.1 million more Americans enjoyed an outdoor activity in 2020, the first year of the pandemic, than in 2019. It's the Outdoor Industry Association's Outdoor Participation Trends Report. 7.1 million more people in a year. So obviously it's a big market, but if the, from the yeah. user's experience, as well as from the environment that they're visiting, it's very important that we do better job of both shaping the perspective coming towards here and having measures in place, as well as letting people be able to have some money left behind. Mm -hmm. So thank you again for all the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for those comments. Are there any questions or comments from my colleagues? Well, thank you, Nick, for the presentation again, and Director McFadden. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Moving us to the next item and presentation, Clerk Hart, please read the next item into the record, and then Executive Director Metric will introduce the item. Thank you. This is Agenda Item 11B, 2024 Local, Regional, and Community Engagement Policy Priorities Briefing. Commissioners, under your leadership, the Port has ambitious policy and government relations priorities, focusing on promoting economic opportunities, improving quality of life, advancing trade, travel, and commerce, and operating in an equitable and envir environmentally responsible manner. Engaging with our local and regional partners helps make th makes those goals possible. The following briefing will outline some of our priorities in 2024 for engaging with our community and government partners to help fulfill our mission. So the presenters this afternoon are, we have all three here, which is uh, Sabrina Boyu, uh, Regional Government Relations Manager, uh, Dave Kaplan, Local Government Relations Manager, and Samantha St. John, East King County Community Government Relations Manager. So with that, I'll turn it over. Uh, Sabrina, are you going to kick us off? I will. Thank you. All right. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone, uh, commissioners. Executive Director Metric, ELT. We are just so honored to be here this afternoon. My name is Sabrina Bullew. I am our Regional Government Affairs Manager. I'm joined by Dave Kaplan, our South King Ca County Government Relations Director, and Samantha St. John, our East King County Government Relations Manager. And she also serves on our community engagement team as well. You may remember that in years prior, we've come to you for your approval of our local and regional policy priorities. And I also do wanna take a moment to remind you that our local and regional priorities are much different than that of your federal and your state legislative agendas, where our work really encapsulates incremental change and our longstanding relationships within our mutual jurisdictions throughout King County. And so with that, I, I also want to acknowledge the fact that our communities are all moving out of the pandemic and recognizing that that's the case. There's no longer the same amount of federal funding that was coming to our uh, local municipalities as it has previously. And with that in mind, there's a number of our local jurisdictions that are facing significant budget deficits. We have a unique opportunity on the local government relations team to be thinking about how we leverage our assets and our infrastructure projects to jointly team up with other local municipalities. Today's presentation is not about that necessarily, but I do want to highlight that that, that is the, the, the local temper and flavor for what we experience on a, on a, a local level. I also want to 
remind you all that we have uh, most recently we have created our local and regional priorities document to be based off the port century agenda in 2012 the port of seattle adopted a hundred year vision actually it was the hundred year anniversary of the port of seattle and it was a guiding vision it was called the north star document in 2017 that was updated to include carbon emissions and our work to work on greening the environment that we live in and so with that in mind we have aligned our key policy priorities behind the port century agenda and i'll turn it over to dave and samantha to quickly introduce themselves before we jump into the slides dave kaplan local government relations for south king county hi samantha st john east king county community and government relations manager okay i think we can move on okay great so this is just to level set we will we will make we will have one slide to just quickly touch on all of the good advances we've made in 2023 and then from there we'll move on to capturing key priority priorities for us in 2024 and um we've had the opportunity to brief you all commissioners appreciate that and i think you also uh, are aware that the presentation we're going to roll through doesn't include every single priority we're working on but we try our best to keep it high level and ultimately this presentation will turn into a, a one-page leave behind that we'll use to when we meet with elected officials from all of the jurisdictions around king county moving forward throughout the next year and then we'll look for your adoption on february 13th and we can move forward okay so the three of us will tackle this a little bit but we want to just take one moment to look at the year prior i think you all know the maritime industrial lands policy that passed in the city of seattle was monumental and many thanks to most of you commissioners that spent a lot of your personal time let me correct that your professional time not personal <laughs> Um, but <laughs> but you were all very engaged and passionate is my point and I want to thank you all for your work um, and then the other is we've spent a lot of <laughs> yeah, the ones who aren't yes all good things um, and then we've spent a lot of time deepening our engagement in the city of Seattle's waterfront. It is it is like the marquee area of the city of Seattle and we've spent a lot of time, one, adjusting signage to make sure it's culturally appropriate. We have engaged in the aquarium MOU, the electrification at Pier 66, and now we're looking at new opportunities to deepen our presence on the waterfront and I'm really excited to continue working with you all on that. And then I'll look to Dave. And just a reminder, the commission had an opportunity to review the 2018 or local agreement as required with the uh, with the city of Seattle, excuse me, Seattle, city of SeaTac, and be able to review that to continue it through uh, to determine whether to continue it through uh, 2028 or to make some adjustments. And in agreement with the city of SeaTac, chose to go forward. Um, that was not a small piece of work in terms of trying to make sure everybody had a chance to review it and go through that and and the Commission needs to be um, Congratulated for having completed that as well during the course of this last year 
An another monumental achievement is, of course, the MOU we signed with the Muckleshoot tribe. It's a long time coming. We're very, very proud of that work. The Suquamish tribal MOU is just right around the corner, if not later this week or next week. And beyond that, we as a government relations team has fully understood just how important it is to deepen our relationships with local tribes. And I, I don't see Roxanne in the audience now, but we are very proud to announce our new hire of Roxanne Murphy as our tribal relations liaison. And it's about, it's about time. And I wanna thank you commissioners for really being passionate and, and helpful on that front. Um, the other item, and it's also new, is over the last year, we held two South Seattle roundtables addressing airport concerns in the local community. That was spearheaded by Commissioner Hasegawa, and we've worked with other local electeds to address near, near airport community concerns, and this is going to be a cadence that we're gonna continue. Uh, and we, have, we, we boast a number of local jurisdictions and levels of government that have engaged and you know, these issues aren't gonna go away, but we were gonna work our hardest to address them and also hear community. And we've made really good progress and I'm looking forward to the next roundtables we have um, over the next year. And finally, in terms of the last bullet there around overnight truck parking, I've been at the port for nine months now and one of my first meetings when I started at the port was about East King County truck parking. Uh, so quite a bit of meetings have happened around that and we expect to see uh, a lot of uh, advancement in those conversations over this next year. Okay, next slide. Okay, great. So now we're getting into the Century Agenda goals here. Uh, Century Agenda Goal 1, posi position the Puget Sound as a premier international logistics hub. This is all work that's your bread and butter, you're fully aware of it, but this continues to be our priority and it, and it will be every year that I can think of moving forward. <laughs> but it's that, so that includes, we just wanna of course highlight our work with T5 phase two, supporting the work of the Northwest Seaport Alliance, the ter Terminal 46 and the future tenancy of that site. And then um, a, a new, well, not so new, but um, a relatively exciting development with the, the Waska site across from Terminal 46 that that will be a major focus of, uh, for us on the local government relations team. And then along with all of these key projects is maintaining no net loss of industrial lands that you all approved several years ago. And also thinking proactively about what are ways to expand ownership along the waterfront and expand our footprint and making sure that the waterfront maintains active for the maritime community and expands to our, expands our reach, reach in the industrial world. Consistent with goal number two, um, advancing the region is the leading tourism destination and business gateway. We heard a lot about that during the tourism uh, presentation immediately before us. But um, continuously improving the operational efficiency and customer experience at SEA, the efforts that, that have resulted in our being a, a four-star um, SkyTrack airport for the last couple of years and the uh, variety of projects under Upgrade SEA, which are making improvements to the existing facilities to make it more uh, comfortable for the passengers that are currently coming to the airport. Um, that strengthens our competitiveness of the airport regionally and in uh, regional market or global markets. 
and then meeting the region's air transportation needs by delivering vital facilities and infrastructure in a sustainable and cost-effective manner. The SAMP NTP, SAMP Sustainable Airport Master Plan Near-Term Project Environmental Review is ongoing. We're anticipating the uh, draft environmental assessments out by the end of the year. And as we promised the community, we will be providing 30 days advance notice in advance of our um, solicitation of their input on the environmental review. And of course, everyone is excited about FIFA, which is coming in 2026. And so uh, as it pertains to local GR, we are communicating out how we are preparing um, as, a, as an organization for FIFA, um, of course, with our facilities and, and preparing for the amount of travelers that we're going to get globally coming here for this. Very exciting. Our, our local partners are really excited for this initiative. And we want to be a good partner to help talk to them about how they can partner with us for the preparations. Next. Oh, there it is. Okay, so ecotourism, which uh, we've been talking a lot about lately. It's obviously a, a port priority to promote healthy tourism, uh, bringing together sustainability with tourism to grow our state's economy, uh, encouraging partnership programs to protect our environment while we're welcoming visitors to experience all that we have to offer in our beautiful region. Uh, many of our conversations with our city partners uh, include helping them to understand ways to partner with the port through our grants, business support initiatives, and tourism resources. Uh, cruise is obviously an important part of tourism promotion uh, and economic development, so we're looking to find ways to help connect local businesses to opportunities to connect to the cruise industry to supply local goods and services. Then as we can see our developments uh, in the green corridor, we will keep our cities informed about this body of work as well. Next slide. Okay, so Century Agenda Goal 3, responsibly invest in the economic growth of the region and all of its communities. This is where we wanna touch on youth maritime workforce development, Core Plus, the Seattle Maritime Academy, but also our interest and investment in alternative fuel sources around decarbonization. So hydrogen production for storage, distribution, but also of course the off offshore wind supply chain and how we wanna engage in, in that body of work. And then the ongoing work of the Duwamish Valley Community Equity Program. And this continues on on goal four, be the greenest and most efficient port in North America. This again is an emphasis on decarbonization. Just like in 2017, we made sure to add decarbonization to our mission moving forward. This includes shore power at Pier 66. We're making really good advances and we wanna see that project come to fruition. We're very close. And then fostering the clean truck uh, the Clean Truck Program, otherwise known as the Northwest Seaport Alliance Clean Truck Col Collaborative. There might even be a, an event I'm hearing with uh, Congresswoman Jayapal and the Seaport Alliance this week. And this is really exciting work around electrification and we want to continue championing that on the local government relations level. Within that line of thinking, sustainable aviation fuels, Mr. Fellman, I know you are a champion for us on that. And we want to continue partnering with King County and the exploration of how these fuels can eventually be utilized for commercial aircraft. 
And then the kelp seaweed research and restoration efforts with the Seattle Aquarium. We recently signed that MOU and we wanna make sure that that work is implemented and we continue to explore it. As we continue with the goal for the greenest and most efficient port in North America, this also leads to our work on better serving the near port communities surrounding port operations. So particularly the Duwamish Valley neighborhood, meeting our obligations for cleanup and doing right by the people and the, that live in the Duwamish Valley, including the East Waterway and implementing cleanup, leading with inclusive environmental justice and uh, community engagement principles. And consistent with goal five, uh, becoming a model for equity, diversity, and inclusion, um, furthering our WIMBY and diversity and contracting goals. Another conversation you had earlier today, everything you heard earlier today, minority business accelerator. And um, some of the work that's been going on over the course of the last year that uh, Dave McFadden and Economic Development could speak to, the uh, support for the next phase of the study uh, surrounding development of the South King County International Public Market. Uh, phase one was completed. Phase two, I believe, is currently underway and looking at the details on how to make that a, a success. Um, continuing to hold interjurisdictional South Seattle Roundtable meetings, as Sabrina mentioned earlier, um, with Beacon Hill, Georgetown, and the South Park communities to make sure that their voices are being heard. Tribal engagement internship program has been mentioned before. Uh, Duwamish Valley Community Equity Program continue to make sure that that remains strong and achieves the goals that are set out. And um, new to this year, equitable community engagement in advance of the Part 150 noise study, including outreach to owners and initiation of inspections of failed packages by the third quarter of this year. So. Uh, we're anticipating that to be part of the scope of the study and uh, public engagement um, with uh, the Part 150 is uh, scheduled to happen, I believe, in the second quarter or late second quarter of this year. So looking May, June, I believe. So, Next slide. Okay, Century Agenda Goal five, become a model for equity, diversity, and inclusion. And this slide really just speaks to our interest in making sure to expand green jobs, but serving the underserved and making sure that these jobs are attractive and available for BIPOC, BIPOC communities. And we're working in partnership, in partnerships with private business, so public-private partnerships. So this is just about highlighting our interest in the green jobs workforce and making sure that's applicable and achievable for all of Seattle Lights. It is our goal, as you all know, commissioners, to build a bench of future maritime leaders that may not follow a traditional college education tract. And so this is a nod to our interest in apprenticeships, Seattle Maritime Academy, Maritime High School, Career Connected Learning, and making sure we have an emphasis in BIPOC sectors, which we all know is, is greatly needed in the maritime space.
And as you can see, we have three slides on this particular uh, goal because it is something that is important at the center of what we do. So we're really proud to showcase the port's leadership and equity work that's taking place both internally and externally, uh, becoming the model for EDI. Uh, in my body of work, which falls under both government relations and community engagement, uh, there are some of our sponsorship dollars that are dedicated specifically to EDI programming that's happening in our partner organizations in the various communities, uh, which amplifies that, that work outwards. Next slide. And then Century Goal 6, um, being a highly effective public agency, which is a really broad category. Um, but some of the things that most stand out, and I'm not going to speak to all of the bullet points there, but I do want to point out a few things in particular, are continued advocacy for regulatory approval and transition to PFAS free firefighting foams, the issue of PFAS um, is, is very broadly felt uh, in the local communities and um, they, their concerns are our concerns. Um, advocating for the long-term health of North SeaTac Park has not dropped off the radar. Wanted to make sure everybody was aware of that. And um, the last item in particular, continuing to educate the community on the port's land stewardship plan. This is coming to commission. It first came to commission last fall. We had uh, a webinar and uh, public outreach th through early January and um, commission uh, review and adoption is scheduled for March. Next slide, please. And um, part of this as well speaks to environmental justice principles, both with internal and external stakeholders, ensuring that we have meaningful engagement for healthier communities, and, and that's with all communities um, uh, around port facilities. Uh, two things in particular, exploring partnerships for SEA, bike, and pedestrian commuter improvements. This actually speaks to uh, discussions in Seattle, which have been brought up regarding the waterfront and bike access there, as well as communications with the city of SeaTac and others in this vicinity, talking about ways in which we can be supportive of the projects that they have moving forward that will better connect their non-motorized facilities to the airport. And then the last item, continuing the work of the sound insulation program to meet the 2026 goal that has not fallen off and our and our noise program is working hard to meet that goal um, currently working on houses of worship and uh, apartments and the few single-family homes where people have agreed to participate in the voluntary program so. last slide okay so we've come to our conclusion thank you all um, happy to answer questions and we're looking for your adoption on february 13th and just thank you so much for your time sabrina thank you um samantha and david for your presentation and making sure that we stay connected to our local communities and making sure we have good regional partnership i'll now open it up for questions and comments from commissioners commissioner cho yes uh, first and foremost i want to thank you all for the terrific work that you all do uh it's um, not always front and center what happens on the local level I know sometimes we pay more attention to the federal and state level stuff but the local all, lo all, all politics is local as we like to say uh, and so I don't think it could be overstated how, how monumental your work is 
to our century agenda goals as well as our short-term goals. Um, I want to uh, turn our attention to um, a topic that was brought up uh, earlier today uh, and is a topic of discussion in the state legislature and that is our sound mitigation program. I think there are some leaders who are disingenuous about this topic when they insinuate that the port is not doing its part on sound mitigation. Uh, could you please, for the public and to educate those leaders who may be misinformed and or disingenuous, tell us what we're doing on sound mitigation, what efforts are underway, and maybe even talk about some of the challenges that we face when it comes to sound mitigation? I don't run the sound program, I have so all you're going to get the short answer. Kil uh, so uh, Sandy Director Sandy Kilroy does here. You can speak to it uh, as yeah. best as you can from a local community standpoint. Um, and then we'll invite Director Kil Kilroy to provide any comments that she may have. I was going to say, um, there are, within the part 150 boundary which is what defines what the port is able to mitigate for um, and continue to receive federal funding necessary which is about 80 percent of the funds that pay for uh, the sound insulation there's approximately 100 homes left my understanding um, every year uh, our noise program reaches out to all of the remaining homeowner individual homeowners out there um, in multiple languages to make sure that they understand what their opportunities are. Again, it's a voluntary program, so it's entirely up to them whether or not they wish to participate. Some homeowners have been around a long time and said, no, 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 no. All of a sudden, they sell their house, and you have a new homeowner, so there are opportunities that do present themselves over, over time. In terms of the apartments, apartments have identified uh, over time as well. There are a large number of apartments that are going to be worked on and completed. I forget how many this year are scheduled. I know there are hundreds scheduled to be done next year. Again, it's up to the property owner to decide on a voluntary basis whether they want to participate in the program or not. There are also some condominiums that are participating, a few that are not. And um, there were, I believe, seven houses of worship, three of which um, are participating and those I believe are being started this year. Uh, the port has uh, insulated over 9,400 homes over the course of the years. Uh, through an agreement with the Highline School District, we are providing um, money towards sound insulation when new schools are being constructed and 10 out of 15 schools have been or are in the process of being reconstructed. That leaves only five schools left. Uh, an obligation that the port uh, made a number of years ago. And um, we continue to move forward on the failed package issue. We've been looking at that issue in a lot of different ways. Um, it keeps getting brought up in a federal venue, in a state venue, and of course uh, here at the Port Commission. Um, one of the challenges is making sure that we're being consistent with federal law that there's an opportunity for us to be able to fund things in a constructive way and um, without shifting the burden to others. And um, that's probably the most I can say, and I'll leave it to Sandy to fill in the blank. Dave, you just did an excellent job answering the question. I would just say um, also that 
a few years ago, the, co the commission at that time asked us to accelerate um, our sound insulation program. Sandra, can you just share your title as well? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Sandra Kilroy, Senior Director for Environment and Sustainability. Uh, so a few years ago, the commission directed um, uh, the staff to accelerate the sound insulation program, which we've been doing towards uh, the goal of 2026. And Dave did an excellent job recounting the numbers. We've been focusing um, now on apartments, condominiums, and places of worship and have very few um, single family homes uh, remaining. We do function within uh, the DNL boundary that FAA sets for financing these uh, sound insulation programs. And so we work very diligently within that boundary um, to, to offer these services. Commissioner Cho, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to recap, 9,400 homes, seven places of worship, 10 out of 15 schools. It actually sounds like we're doing a lot. And um, I want to just emphasize that, you know, if we can insulate every home, we would. But there's a process here. There are priorities. And those who are close to the airport, I think, or affected the most, you know, as we would say, disproportionately impacted by the noise of the airport, should get priority. I understand that there are failed packages out there. I don't doubt it. But the reality is that they don't get to jump the line if there are houses out there that never got packages to begin with. So before we address the latter problem, we need to make sure that we've done everything we possibly can for those homes who have not been, and, and those facilities that have not been addressed. And so I really want to make sure that the public is not misled and that whatever is happening down in Olympia is based on facts and not based on conjecture or, or hypotheses. But the fact is that we are working as fast as we possibly can with the resources that we have within the letter of the law to address these issues. And when the time comes, we will address the issues that are secondary. Thank you. And I, think I would just want to emphasize that um, that is uh, very much a part of our Part 150 <coughs> process and having a methodical and clear process for the uh, presumed failed packages is really important and that will be um, rolling out this year. Thank you, Director Kilroy, and um, thank you, Commissioner Cho, for those comments. And if I could just quickly add, the commission is not opposed to House Bill 2103. I think that is what Commissioner Cho is also speaking to. Um, we are assessing it, but that, for, for the record, we have not taken a position to say we're opposed to it. And also, um, when it comes to the failed packages, as part of the Part 150 study, um, the Commission has asked that as part of that we accelerate looking at failed packages. And in fact, we just recently had um, one of our colleagues on the SeaTac City Council uh, send us a home that she believes has, has a failed package and our staff is looking at it. So this is an issue that has continued to be a priority for the entire commission and we're doing whatever we can in our power to help accelerate. And so I do appreciate Commissioner Cho making those comments. Um, do other commissioners have questions for staff at this time? Commissioner Fellman. I was delighted to hear there was um, some clarity about the, the packages with regards to the 150 study. And, and so I just want to make sure that and I'm still on the Highline Forum, so as you know, we'll come up again, um, that the, uh, the evaluation, right, the assessment of not the inspection per se, but the evaluation of like how many failed packages there are will be conducted this year. The, 
my understanding is that the assessment is going to be part of the part 150 study in terms of looking at the issue and then figuring out what the next steps are relative to the Early but it's the date. time frame because the 150 study is like a three-year process quarter of this year we will have begun the assessment or we will have completed the assessment director Kilroyd is saying My begun. Understanding is begun. Yeah. so do we have an idea of how long that might take to again I don't I assume there's gonna be a second phase is going to <coughs> actually inspect the specific you know people are going to tell us where they think things failed and then we have to verify that. But I, I just think it would like just to get an order of magnitude sense yeah, of how big this uh, issue again, is. Again, Senior uh, Director, Environment and Sustainability, Sandy Kilroy. Um, uh, we are beginning it, uh, Q3. I'm happy to get you um, after the meeting more details on the process. It isn't, um, it isn't maybe as simple as it might sound to figure out how we uh, conduct the assessment. But um, it will not, I do not expect the complete assessment of you know all um, potential failed packages to be completed this year but we will begin it in Q3 and I'll get you the, the better dates af after the meeting. Sarah Cox is also on do you have any comments to add? Good afternoon Sarah Cox uh, Senior Director of Aviation Environment Sustainability uh, yes uh, Sandy um, did indicate that we uh, correctly that we will be kicking off um, the our survey um, for the part or the failed packages element and uh, it is complex we're working through like what um, information that we're trying to gain and glean from the survey and for future evaluation and uh, so once we have more details on what the structure of that looks like we'll be able to share that thank you um, Sarah, for those comments, do you have additional com comments? Go, go for it. Uh, I do appreciate the uh, trying to follow the guidance of the century agenda now jumping to the broader stuff. Although I must say, um, like we amended it before, the idea that the uh, making ourselves a destination for business and travel or tourism um, and all of that recommendations are just about expanding the airport. There's there's nothing about the seaport and there's and so I'm not, this isn't your fault, but in the context of looking at all the things about business and tourism, there, there are different things that we do as an organization to address those things. Among them are the airport. And so I just, uh, I just think that we, we do ourselves. And the FIFA example is a really good one that we're trying to look at the uh, sort of onslaught of people, not just through the airport, but coming through the area. It's part of our tourism package. and. Um, one of those things also you spoke to the issue of um, a tribal relations issues that um, you know Puyallup tribe is like the lead liaison for FIFA into the state and so it's kind of an interesting opportunity for our furthering furthering that effort and specifically with the tribal internship I definitely want to follow up on whether we're going to be able to do these exposure tours rather than having to have an intensive internship program but at least some chances to expose tribal kids with some of the future opportunities are. And I think I had just one other point. Yes, Samantha, you brought up the issue about hearing about trucks in North, North Bend and stuff. And I, I, one of the things I've, not, I've uh, noted is that the Port of Seattle does not have a direct representative on the Northwest Seaport Alliance's truck collaborative. Um, we do have 
DEI representation, but it's not in terms of what we're doing, like even on the waterfront real estate that we own. And I, I'm just wondering, this seems to be a, one, another example, while we have this whole collaborative of truck-related interests, that this would be something I'd like to find a way that we can bring to that conversation and the whole way in which truck parking is part of that conversation. So I just want to put a pin in that, but thank you so much for, there's a huge uh, palette of work, but thank you very much. Any additional questions or comments? Commissioner Calkin. Uh, first, I wanted to say thank you all for uh, great work on um, keeping us and the communities around King County informed about the great work the board is doing and also serving as a conduit for um, hearing community needs and how we can support them. Uh, something that Executive Director Metric and I have been talking about in the last couple of times we met is the potential for uh, renewing um, one of the documents that we used pretty extensively, and I don't see Kathy here, but um, when I first started the port uh, five or six, I do see Claire though, and I think she helped me with this too quite a bit. Uh, there, we had produced an economic impact report. Does this ring a bell? Yes. And Jump in if you- I didn't specifically call it out, but I, I believe that, um, I believe that it is budgeted as, and I forget whose budget it's in, whether it was in Eric Schinfeld's or as in somebody else's, but I believe that's budgeted to be done this year. Great, yeah, I, I think I'd heard that um, affirmation that uh, that great project that was really helpful in, in both um, providing us with an understanding of, of impacts in places that you might not expect the port would have economic impact, but I recall it having jobs numbers, overall business revenue numbers, things like that, and done in a, graphically in a way that was useful for us in presentations to chambers and city councils and other things. So I'm glad to hear that that's, um, we're gonna re-up that. I think that's a very powerful tool. Um, Dave McFadden shall we Great, okay. Thank you so much. So I'm looking forward to the, the refreshed version of that. Thank you, any additional questions or comments? Well, thank you all for the presentation again and for answering those questions today. I will move us along on, in the agenda. Moving us along, that concludes our business meeting agenda for the, for the day. Are there any uh, closing comments at this time or motions relating to committee referrals from commissioners? Hearing none, uh, Executive Director Metric, are there any closing comments from you today? Uh, no, thank you, commissioners, for your time today. And I think, um, I don't know if we kept up with Commissioner Cho when, on his time, but it was a very efficient meeting, and I thank you for that. <laughs> it's not a competition. Thank don't you, compare. Executive Director Metric. You did I take that job. compliment. <laughs> um, hearing no further comments and having no further business, if there are no objections, we are adjourned at 2.04. Okay. Nicely done. Yeah, <laughs>